Overworked, a podcast. Bold storytelling. Balanced lives. Brighter futures. Welcome to Overworked. I'm Mossy with Kaylin and Jill. Challen is taking a much needed break. She just gave birth last week to a beautiful baby girl. She will be back with us the next episode, but um, unfortunately not here today. Well, it's June. And for those of you following what the months are, it means it's Pride Month. It's really a month to commemorate the riots that happened in New York City at Stonewall Inn, the gay bar. This was the event where people stood up for LGBTQ rights. And because of a few brave men and women, the trajectory of human rights in America was forever changed. But today, I don't want to talk so much about the past. We're definitely going to link articles in the show notes about the history of this. So for those of you who don't know, can go read about it. But I kind of want to concentrate on what's happening now and like what we want for the future. We have a really special guest today, Stephen Wakabayashi, who I met when we both designed a website for a major luxury retail brand. Stephen has started QT BIPOC Design. He's an LGBTQ activist, and he has his own podcast discussing mindfulness called Yellow Glitter. He is doing so many things all at once. Um, It's kind of amazing. Um, and Steve, meeting Stephen was one of my favorite stories ever um, because he literally came over to my desk and in his palm, he offered me a beautiful orange from his family's garden. We became fast friends because obviously I love people who feed me. But in all seriousness, he's always been this effervescent, kind soul. And I'm so thankful you're here, Stephen, today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing? Yeah, to add a little bit more context to the orange story, My mother had discovered that she could stuff as many oranges into the USPS box and have it weigh so much. And during orange season, we have one orange tree in our backyard. It just produces so many to a point where it's just, what do we do? And so my mother just started every other week sending me oranges in this USPS box. (laughs) I was like, Moss, my mom just sent me oranges. Would you like one? She's like... Okay, oh, awesome. I asked other colleagues actually, and then they uh, they were like, "Why? Why would I want it?" But Moss, out of everyone, was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing! Yes, please!" And I was like, "Okay, we could be friends." <laughs> and since then, uh, I've hung out many times, talked about work, talked about life, and it's just beautiful, beautiful soul doing awesome work, and really excited to meet everyone here on this podcast too. Uh, just talking about really amazing things impacting a lot of folks, especially women in the workplace. So um, a little bit about myself and my work. Um, I've been in the ad space for a long time. That's where Moss and I worked. I've worked on major brands, uh, working on big, high-profile projects. My last project was working on and launching Walmart Plus with Walmart. And um, yeah, especially in the space, you know, especially with the title Overworked, I tore myself apart working 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks and I just hit a wall where my body collapsed. I I couldn't mentally go through with it anymore because I couldn't digest food anymore and I had to end up uh, in the hospital for a few months and it was a big reckoning that I had where one, I couldn't really work anymore because I had to go in for tests, surgeries. Um, Two, I lost most of the muscle mass that I had gained after doing CrossFit so many years and it just 
really shook myself in in understanding that health is really number one and that if we don't center ourselves with our health and keeping it number one it doesn't matter all these things that are that we're going to chase it's going to come catch up and so in doing that i ended up studying meditation and i just decided to make activism and creating spaces uh, for folks to be a big proponent of what I do. And so on top of the podcast that I do, which is called Yellow Glitter, where I interview queer Asian folks on the topic of mindfulness, uh, life, I've also created nonprofits, one for making mindfulness more equitable for marginalized communities. And we do a lot of work primarily focused on Asians and queer Asians and how do we talk about mindfulness in the context of meditation, uh, support groups, And then the other nonprofit I created called QT BIPOC Design was really this intersection of design, mindfulness, and marginalized communities and addressing, right, really the issue of not having uh, diversity within our workforce from a holistic manner. Because if we can't increase the incoming stream of talent, right, there is no one to hire, right? We want that director or the VP or whoever to be diverse, but where are they to begin with, right? And so a lot of it was really understanding we have to start at the core, we have to start educating, giving these uh, education to them, not, you know, through any means of like, you have to pay this exorbitant amount, but just really giving free resources. And so my organization is really excited to one, provide free education right now, but We're also looking at partnering with organizations to provide software, technology, equipment, so we can dismantle every single barrier to entry, especially going into design. I love that. Yeah, I think the fact that you're investing so much in this kind of earlier um, career development or earlier education is great, especially with some of the stats that we've seen about LGBTQ in the workplace. So it's, it's three in 20 LGBTQ women believe that their sexual orientation will negatively affect their career advancement. And that number is higher for men. It's six in 20. And then 22% of LGBTQ Americans have not been paid equally or promoted at the same rate at their peers, which is just, it's really heartbreaking to think about trying to be your whole self at work and be kind of your authentic personality and then being almost punished for it or seeing negative returns because of it be kind of beyond your uh your company or inclusive of your company what are some of the programs you're seeing in the workplace to help fix these numbers to help kind of make up for these stats that we're looking at yeah yeah i think these stats are just so great at really assessing the landscape and another set i will throw in there aiga and google works together not every year, but it's like every other year or whenever they have time to put together a survey assessing design industry, uh, the assessment of, you know, just the state of design. And one of the statistics around LGBTQ communities is that they are often paid half the rate as of their non-LGBTQ plus peers. And it's crazy because we allow them to enter the workforce, but in terms of how we accelerate them to grow or just how we compensate them is also another manner. And definitely, as we talk about different communities, right, women, POC folks, and just different marginalized identities, we see this happening over and over and over. Just organizations such as Project Eplot doing amazing work at figuring out how we reimagine 
the state of design and who are designers and shaking up the processes of bringing people in from the community, bringing different perspectives in so that our practice itself is more diverse. I see a lot of great organizations now starting to not just create their own in-house initiatives, but actually partnering with grassroots organizations doing amazing work. Um, and this year for Pride, I would say um, a lot of folks starting to really invest, not just with time and energy, but really financially into LGBTQ plus organizations. And um, yeah, I would say overall, just I think people are becoming a lot more conscious at how to show up and yeah, I, especially even on social media too, right? Accounts just dedicated to providing insights. Like how amazing is that, right? So moving away from really centering maybe an influencer or individual, we have these amazing accounts such as Anti-Racism Daily, right? That provides a little bit of snippet of awareness for everyone as you subscribe and look at their feed, yeah. I think it's really important to talk about it and I think, you know, when you talk about creating space, that's the space that I've always tried to try to create for my for all of my friends. Um, but you never know what someone's going through, where they've come from, what they're suffering through. And I find that talking about it and creating that safe space is so important. And you actually sent us an article about base camp, how um, they were literally like, don't have any political conversations. Don't talk about difficult subjects. But that is sending the wrong message. I mean, the message is awareness. Let's talk about it, even if it is a difficult subject, right? Um, like what's happening to trans women um, in the U.S. right now, like all of the violence against them. Um, if we don't bring talk about it and bring awareness to it, no one does anything about it, right? So another thing you um, posted quite a bit about was um, the fact that rainbow washing a logo is so performative. Um, let's talk a little bit about that and, and bring some awareness to that because <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And to add more context, rainbow washing is the use of rainbows in marketing materials, PR materials by companies to say they show up as allies. And in looking at just some things that have happened, we see some inequitable organizations, some companies who are actually funding political leaders who denounce queer rights, trans rights, and then yet their logo somehow has a rainbow. And so really our community has had a reckoning with assessing and standing up against some of these practices because putting a logo in a rainbow hue doesn't mean you've created the actual change, the space, the actions needed to make equity a big proponent of your company, right? Um, especially as we think about rights as it pertains to just employees. How are we creating the space? How are we listening to them? How are we creating equilibrium, understanding, right? Some of these statistics that exist today exist everywhere. and. These actions should be at the forefront of how we show our allyship. And something that I have been having a big reckoning myself to is this concept that allyship is not something we can call ourselves, right? Allyship is a result of the actions that we do. And then we are deemed an ally. Yet we are very backwards in this notion of saying, I'm an ally, so tell me what to do. No, right? It's 
I do these things so that I am an ally. And so other ways that companies can just really show up, right, is to, I mean, at the root of it, financial contribution, resource contribution, time, energy. How do we fund, especially the local LGBTQ organizations, right, that are often invisible, we, we are so sometimes focused on these big, big queer organizations that, yes, they have a lot of budget to spend on, you know, marketing and all this stuff. But we also don't realize that because they spend so much and invest in that, the one dollar we spend, 30 cents go to the actual initiative themselves. 70 cents go on media budget, right? Celebrity endorsements. The actual impact starts with the neighborhoods around us really small organizations it could just even be the support groups that are happening in our community that create space where space was not created before and so this year i've been urging companies to just really invest in the community around you the people around you to make an impact and one of the one of the things that kind of stands out to me when we're talking about rainbow washing and we're talking about the pressure not to be political at work, right? Um, is how how much of a privilege it is to choose when to weigh in and when to be quiet. 100%. So part of it is like, if, if you are a member of the LGBTQ community or a member of a minority community, you're, if, if your existence is politicized, right? Yeah, your identity is politicized. You don't get to choose whether you're only weighing in with a rainbow logo or you're only weighing in with a one-time donation. Yeah, absolutely. The same applies to folks who are listening to your podcast, right? Women. When were women allowed to show up and say, we're going to talk about women's issue at work? Right. Right. And the men are like, no, we can't have that. This is not business related, right? But for women, it's like, I don't, yeah, like, you're like, but I don't get to choose right. how I show up in the world, right? You're like, I don't get to choose who I am because this is just right. who I am, you know? And that's the big thing that people really need to have a reckoning with is the people who just, how people want to show up and how people exist and how people are, this is just who they are. And it's not any mold that people just have to fit into. Right. And we just have to create the spaces that allow people to be as they are, that celebrate them, and especially for folks who haven't been represented frequently. Uh, we, we have to do even more work to create that space. I think I think you're totally right. And I think one thing that comes to me is unconscious bias. And, you know, we have unconscious bias towards everyone. Right. Like it's just there sometimes like. I, for instance, I wear high heels everywhere, you know, so everyone thinks I'm a prissy girl who likes to wear makeup, you know, there are other people who, um, you know, oh, he's gay. So, you know, he's going to not like sports or, or whatever, it, whatever it is, right? Like, but to be fair, I don't, I don't understand sports. I, <laughs> I, 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 I get the sports teams and make stuff. I'm like, so what do they play again? <laughs> I know. I, I'm just like, like, go sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Team. <laughs> Team effort. Yeah. But I, I think there's, there, you know, maybe that was a bad example, but um, there needs to be work done there, I think, is removing that bias because you're right. We should just show up as who we are. And it's hard to tell people 
be authentic, be authentic. Oh, no, no, hold on. I didn't mean to be that authentic. Like, don't wear your braids to work. It's not professional, you know, those types of things. And that's the message like corporate America sends quite a bit. Yeah, it's, I mean, we have to think about the power dynamic that exists, right? And what structures or just what rules are in place within a setting that we inhabit, who does it benefit the most, right? And oftentimes these structures go to white men, right? Some of the ideologies are very male-focused ideologies, right? Focusing on action, focusing on result, focusing on just, you know, winning. that. Yeah, winning, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that is the only solution. Growth, right? As a solution for everything. And even the way we show up and communicate with each other, right? The fact that emotions shouldn't be a part of our conversation. And so at least, you know, for folks who are diving into the space, the first one is recognizing and asking the question, who benefits the most with existing structures that we have, right? The existing policies even. And asking ourselves, taking a look at that demographic, where are they placed? How are they placed in the organization? Do they take up all the space at the top? And then we ask ourselves, right? How did they get to the top? Well, it's all these things, right, that have been set up in place. And I love how, Caitlin, that you mentioned just like the stuff around authenticity and showing up. And, you know, it is a privilege to not have to talk about an issue that doesn't impact us. Right. Especially as we talk about, like, how are you an ally? And just even like the use of pronouns. Right. If it doesn't matter to us because we align with the typical structure of he or she. Right. For somebody else who may really be struggling because they don't look and show visually as, you know, what is the quote unquote norm. It's it's even more difficult. And when we can just add in like a five cent like piece or just taking a little bit out of our time five minutes um to just show up we do so because we care for people we do so because they matter we do be because we understand how difficult it is and if we can shoulder a little bit of the responsibility that's how we get progress yeah and i think another like point that comes from the disabled community, but I think is applicable here is that inclusivity should be the baseline rather than the, like the, the goal, right. Um, creating inclusive workplaces for people who need accommodations for members of the LGBTQ community, right. That should just be the expectation. It shouldn't be like, I need this additional, I guess accommodation is the best word, this additional accommodation to do my job. It should just be, we are set up in this community to accept all people to work here. Based on just like what you said about accessibility that resonates a lot with me is what's happening in the movement within digital accessibility and how for the longest time we said they had to pertain to KPIs, right? Business goals. And that we can only show up if it somehow results in financial compensation for us, right? And the accessibility movement has said, you know what? No, we put our foot down and we say that these needs, these fundamental human needs do not need a KPI or validation by business to be able to do it, which is, I think, one, liberating, but two, it's the truth, right? Why 
why do you need to validate how successful it will be for a white male, right? How much money a white male will make so that we can finally have an experience, right? Whether it's for blind folks or, you know, folks with uh, physical disability, hearing impairment, right? What I kind of wanted to talk about was the importance of internal allyship groups in the workplace and kind of how that can create a supportive and inclusive place um, for both members of a marginalized community like the LGBTQ community and for allies to get um, to really connect and to build support. So it it can be really difficult to start that from the ground up and to get that that sort of program running. Um, So I would love to hear if you have any tips either on starting a support group or on improving ones that maybe are at a standstill. Absolutely. Yes. Our organization has been doing a lot of work to help big, large corporations or smaller organizations to make it more equitable, inclusive, safe. And some tips I will provide. The first one is to, we love this analogy of just baby steps, right? What does it mean to take a baby step? I will will throw in a little nugget in there that um, in mindfulness and in Buddhism, they often say babies are the most enlightened beings because they understand emotion. They can connect with people at a fundamental level and there is no, they have no bias. They have no bias. Yeah. And so I love the analogy of baby step is just like babies, this enlightened being, how do we just take little steps? Right. And maybe it shows up as how do we just create space for somebody else in our meeting? Right. It doesn't have to be the sweeping policy now that is at a company. Sure, we can get there, but in changing how we show up for somebody tomorrow, just one person. And imagine if we all did this, right? We all consciously made a better space for just one other person today. Tomorrow would be a whole new place, right? And so in doing these little things, we also inspire others to see what we're doing, right? So whether, and there's ways we can create space that is very equitable where we start off a meeting stating maybe it's no judgment or just what are some of your policies to create what you would see as an equitable safe space, right? Um, How do you uh, allow others to speak, right? Do you have a structure in place where people in the meeting have an equal seat at the table and people can voice different concerns? Do you create space by calling on folks, right, who didn't speak as much, right? What are some things that you're just able to create a space that allows everyone to talk in the way that they would like to talk? Um, And when we do that, other people can see it and we'll start picking up practices. And soon, before you know it, all people are running meetings just like you, right? The next step, especially in the workplace, is once you have this tribe of folks that you see once you're starting to put some things down and seeing what resonates, right? To get together. And why I don't like to say like, you have to do this in your organization is because I understand people are different journeys and different paths. And it's about how do we come together and ask ourselves, one, what do we have the bandwidth to provide each and every one of us, right? Any bandwidth for others is totally okay. And then two, based on that, how do we use it to create synergy? What are we all really passionate about? Maybe what community are we really passionate about addressing things with and for? And how do we show up for them? And once we're able to create something based on the synergies, based on what we can bring to the table, then that is where we start getting real momentum happening, 
rather than like you know a typical corporate structure right is we set up these rules in place and we're like follow it right but equity is really something that is brewed bottom up rather than top down and in doing so we start dismantling many structures in place right where even hr policies are not top down anymore they become bottom up um rules and regulations on how to show up uniform all this not top down anymore becomes bottom up and so we really love this approach because it is really radically different in the way that we approach the business context and although it's not a solution that is you must do this i encourage folks to expand your awareness past that and to ask questions how can i show up for you how do i make this a winning relationship for you and me how can i show up for your work these questions that we just ask simply to others to understand and then the last question i love is the last time you felt seen what had happened for you and how can i show up for you in that manner how powerful is that right i love that absolutely love that I know you said that that maybe your the questions that you're asking aren't necessarily solutions to the root problem, but being an ally is something that's really important to us at Overworked and both in our professional and personal lives. And part of that is bringing education and knowledge to this topic beyond pride and, and kind of how allyship can take a lot of different forms. So what do you think makes a great ally? What do you think sets people apart as a great ally? Yes. Beautiful question. And I have been really thinking about this long and hard this year, especially as we see folks coming into the space and saying, I'm an ally. And what I will say fundamentally, allyship is something that comes after you've done the work, right? Allyship is something that is granted by the community members, right? It is not our job to call ourselves ally, but it's the job, not the job, but it's the privilege of being called an ally by folks we serve, right? And so a big proponent of that, especially in being an ally, is to not center the work that we do for our communities in ourselves. And so why this whole corporate rainbow washing is a little problematic is because it still centers this, and, and, and as a reminder for folks, uh, pride is still an ongoing battle. Here in the United States, we have folks losing their rights, folks criminalized, marginalized, folks murdered. Trans folks are murdered in countless numbers all around this country. And as we look outside of the United States and into the larger world, it is criminalized. People have the death penalty by being queer in many parts of the world. In a lot of Middle Eastern countries, I mean, like just the other day, there was an article of, I believe, a brother or a cousin beheaded his own sibling um, because they came out as gay. And I saw um, that beautiful man's picture. And I, I mean, I cried um, to think that, you know, we, we talk about being authentic and showing up and he was, that's all he was doing. And that's what happened. And it's very twisted in the narrative that they talk about that it was an honor killing, honoring something to murder someone. And it's just, we have to understand that this exists in the world and that this is what the community is going through and understanding that take a look at our marketing materials right is putting a rainbow in our logo 
helping to ease the pain, ease the struggle, right? So the first principle is not centering the work that we do, and especially myself as an East Asian individual or as a, as a man, right? How do I create spaces for women? How do I create spaces for uh, black folks, Latinx folks, right? Um, it's not center myself in that. How do I take, the question is, how do I take myself actually out of the picture in the work that I do? So when I'm posting about things celebrating, you know, other women or other black folks, right? Just thinking about how I am an ally, I highlight the work other people are doing. I don't talk about maybe what I'm doing, but I say, these people are doing awesome work. Please follow them, support them, give them money, give them love, you know? Um, and, and, and ensuring that always what I choose to do for the community comes out of myself asking, how do I show up for you? Can you tell me, please? And also sometimes, you know, that can also go down the other slope of where we're just always asking, right? And it's a balance of, you know, there are some things we just can definitely do, right? Setting up policies, giving more equity into maybe just our, for companies, right? HR. What are some policies in place that are anti-discriminatory, right? How do we show up for trans folks, especially for medical care, right? Um, how do we cover, even as companies, some of the medical care that is not provided in the instances trans folks are living in states that don't respect their identities, right? Corporations really need to have this understanding that this exists in the spaces around us. And so that's really the first principle of how do we uncenter ourselves. And then the second part is just financial contribution. It, we, we, we are time and time again just so well aware that marginalized groups, LGBTQ organizations are severely underfunded. And although we can, you know, give them time, energy, this cute Instagram or Facebook post, money really makes a difference, especially in a corporate slash capitalist system. And money helps people get visibility, right? Being able to buy media ads allows people to hire other folks to be doing this amazing work. Money, unfortunately, is sometimes really needed. You know, granted, like once you hit a certain threshold of a couple billion, like maybe, you know, it's like, eh, like, you know, it's like, eh, what else can you buy? But it's, <laughs> but it's especially for organizations whose budget, annual budget is like $10,000. Your money can really make a huge difference in the way that organization structures and does their work. So, you know, definitely that is a huge, huge opportunity to be an ally, show up. And then the third part is just plainly stand against discrimination, stand against oppression, stand against other forces at play, and just set that as an expectation, you know, and more proactive versus reactive, right? Too often allies show up in the room reactively when something really bad has happened, right? And this is, this is a really common scenario of what happens. I'm sure anyone who has any intersectional identities of being marginalized is when you're when we're in a meeting room, right? And somebody has just said something that is just you're like, whoa. Isn't the whole meeting just like silent? Nobody says a thing. No one says a thing. And then worse, they're like, okay, let's move on. Some allies are like, okay, let's just move on, right? And, and we expect 
maybe the person to voice that that wasn't right, the person that that was targeted towards, right? Oh. And this is a key opportunity for if you know we want to show our allyship to step up. Right. This is the la the person who is marginalized. This is not their responsibility to do anything. And so if we witness these things, as people who this doesn't affect, show up, say something, create the space that doesn't have this type of energy or saying, and. We can do this every day in the meetings that we have every day. Yeah. No, I I love everything you said there, and um, showing up is really important. And I think also inclusivity is important. Um, for instance, in our women's group, um, you know, I was asked the question: um, Would it be okay if someone who identified as a female wanted to be part of the women's group? And I was like, of course. Like I didn't even think twice about it. And um, one of our biggest allies, um, you know, is actually also a gay Asian man who literally has hosted dinners for us and things like that at his home. And um, I invited him to our meetings because, you know, um, we didn't have an LGBTQ group in our company. So I was like, we actually have a lot of the same issues. Come join us. And and he did. That's beautiful. Uh, Thank you for doing that. Well, yeah, that that I mean, that's beautiful in the sense that you are using the spaces you have and empowering it with and for other people that may not have the space. And I think that's a great way of just really leveraging what you have. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, growing up as the only brown kid in Canada, I just remember how it made me feel when people would include me. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that's a really important part of it because then you don't feel so different. Um, and sometimes not feeling so different, like when you're, kind, you know, kind of younger and that's kind of what saves you because, at, you know, like when you're five, six years old, all you want to do is fit in. Um, mm-hmm. And I yeah. mean, for many people still into adulthood, true, true. That's, that's what we want, right. you know? Right. Yeah. No, it's very true. Sometimes. And, and I love what you said about being seen. Um, but then there's times where like you just also want to blend in. I think that's a great point. Two things that come up for that for me when you say that. One, tokenization is a really big issue too. And so oftentimes what happens, especially this is very common for trans folks because, I mean, when we say there's not a lot of trans folks, they're there. They're just not seen. Um, But often what happens is when a trans folk individual joins a company, they are plastered as a face of pride. They're plastered as a face of uh, queer liberation in the company and LGBTQ rights and organizations and invited to speak at every single function. And we, we really have to take a step back sometimes and understand that as allies, sometimes, like you mentioned, showing up is not having all these active things, putting somebody forcibly in the center, but maybe just starting with asking them. Right? Would you feel comfortable with this? How would you want to show up? Right? And then they're mentioning all these things, and if they don't even want to show up, that is okay because they just want to live life. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to live life. They just want to live, quote unquote, this normal life. And normal is afforded to folks who are in power, who have the privilege. Right? right. 
And blending in is actually so powerful as it pertains to survival, mental health, balance, and um, yeah, and, and the part around inclusion that I think is so powerful is that we really need to understand the definition of inclusion is inclusion is not saying anyone can attend this space. The, I absolutely like I don't detest many things, but I actually detest when folks use inclusion in this definition. We're in an inclusive space, so anyone can come. No. Inclusion is a practice of how are we inviting people into this space? How are we asking people to participate? How are we announcing that you know other folks can attend? And how are we reaching out to people to attend? And like you had said, like you reached out to your friend, which is beautiful. That mm-hmm. is inclusion. But just having the container and just saying anyone can come, sure. We, we don't take into consideration if somebody shows up and they're not a part of all of the people. They don't look like everyone. They don't feel like everyone. They're not going to have a great time. No, they're not going to have a great time. And they're not going to, you know, like in women's groups and support groups, like you talk about issues that affect you. So like, if these things are not affecting them, why would they want to attend? And two, then they don't really have anything to bring to the table. And then it becomes exclusion, right? Like you're not including them. It's, it's you're kind of excluding them because now they're seeing, hearing all these things. But I, I did want to touch on this. Um, you recently wrote a beautiful article about gaining love and acceptance from your mom. <laughs> And um, I know people can't see you. So for our listeners, um, Stephen um, is a beautiful Asian man. And um, unfortunately, you know, being um, being Asian myself, I, you know, there's a lot more stigma about being gay in Asian communities, unfortunately. So in your article, you talk a lot about finding love and acceptance for your mom um, due to her background, which ultimately leads you um, to find unconditional love for yourself. What can you leave our listeners with in terms of advice for living your truth? Because I want to say you do it so gallantly and beautifully. And um, I've always, always appreciated that about you. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I just feel so much love resonating out of you. And I appreciate you for recognizing it as well. And it's for all of us, you know you me and everyone else listening and those of us talking on this podcast self-love is such a journey you know and we're born into this world and this is a thing i have a love-hate relationship with advertising one it's very powerful to switch people and the way they think but sometimes the way we sell products is through teaching people how they're not complete how they are not whole that this product that they must buy will finally make them complete and feel loved you know um i i we we are we are perfect already the way we are perfectly imperfect as somehow people say and then especially for folks in our lives right that may have not had the same education background way of experiencing the world as us may see the world very differently and so in the case of my mother who comes from a very traditional uh very poor neighborhood in south of taiwan and i for many years just really struggled to find acceptance with her and uh, through my queer identity and we fought we've battled we've cried um 
still, you know, struggle to see eye to eye, and um, there, there's so many layers to it, you know. And for so long, I was told in Western media that if people do not agree with me, that the solution must be that I have to shut them out of my life. And you know, this is not like one or the other. It, if people are toxic and they're draining us, yes, we do have to step away sometimes. And at one point, I did have to step away from my family because. I was just feeling so suffocated, trying to live up to these standards, right? Especially as an Asian individual, honor my family, do these things for all these people. And I was like, but I'm not honoring myself, you know? But in the time I took for myself, and I highly recommend for everyone to do this, just take space for yourself. Take yourself out to dinner, give yourself something nice, you know? Um, Realize like, oh, I wish somebody would do that for me. You do it for yourself. You honor yourself. You're amazing. And, and in taking time for myself, I started to give myself the space to really understand the complexities of my relationship with myself, with my mother. And in doing so, I started to finally acknowledge like, wow, she wasn't surrounded by gay folks or people who were out in a very poor rural community, right? where they're farmers, they're surviving. People were having gigantic families just for the sake of getting labor on the farm. It's just, my, my mother is, you know, one of 13 children, you know? It's a very different world. And, um, and, and, and what I wrote that is really, that's really touching for me was, my mother probably had no idea that in immigrating to America, she was also giving me the opportunity to break generational conservative beliefs that have really tied people down and that maybe in her giving me this life that she wasn't able to experience was her being able to find some sort of liberation and that you know as i look back in my life maybe it doesn't show up as this verbal form of affirmation but it's just this love that she was able to show whether it's feeding me clothing me or something that there's something there there's love there and that unconditional love is also acknowledging that people are not perfect and that my mother is not perfect I'm not perfect but how do I continue to try to create this bridge with her because I love her because she's been able to give me this experience that she did not have herself and so yeah it I think it has been a huge revelation for me to have this and I think in creating this space for her I was able to find it in myself as well and how liberating it is to feel that we are capable of having the love and earning the love that we can give out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. I love you so much. And um, well, we'll move to Jill um, giving the inspiration. Um, I mean, this whole thing was inspiring, but um, Jill, take it away. You stole my line. I was going to say this whole episode has been inspiration. <laughs> um, but um, as far as what we have planned, uh, earlier in today's episode, we talked about how rainbow washing has kind of become a performative action for most companies with no real action behind changing their logo colors for the month of June. 
So Entrepreneur, the media outlet, um, wrote a really great article about why that's actually harmful and how companies can take real action to support the LGBTQ plus community all year long that goes deeper than a rainbow logo. So we will link that in our show notes. Of course, Pride Month is a great time to honor and support LGBTQ plus communities, but support shouldn't be a switch that you turn off as soon as June is over. Um, it's something that is a gradual and continuous process um, all year long. So organizations like the Trevor Project, Out in STEM, the Gill Foundation, It Gets Better Project, Glisten, Pride at Work um, are all nonprofits that advocate for equal rights for the LGBTQ plus community year round. Um, so if you'd like to make a donation, we'll link them in our show notes for this episode. But of course, as Stephen also mentioned earlier, there's plenty of ways to support Pride that are cost-free. Um, education is a huge part of Pride Month and general knowledge um, and understanding. So using this month as motivation to learn about the challenges that face the LGBTQ plus community will help you to be a better ally and gain a deeper understanding of Pride. Um, so that way you can work up to the allyship that we've talked about. So obviously there's many ways that we've mentioned, but just listening sometimes is helpful. Creating space, I know we've talked about it a few times today, challenging harmful stereotypes. Um, all of these are super easy ways in all of your interactions to show that you care about people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And as a plug for Steven, if you'd like to hear more from him, his podcast is Yellow Glitter and you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I want to say again, thank you, Steven, for your time today. So inspirational. And we're really happy that we were able to have you, um, especially in honor of Pride. So um, as always, we'll link all of the resource mentioned in today's episode, including those charities on our website at www.weareoverworked.com. We want to hear from you about um, anything you're doing to celebrate Pride or just what you thought of the episode. So if you'd like to share any comments, questions, or feedback, you can follow and tag us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at We Are Overworked or at W Overworked on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to get notified when we release our newest episodes. And we'll catch you guys in two weeks. Thank you.